one knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. Poker. This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And welcome once again to another edition of the program. Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez here on Poker Action Line as we follow along with the World Series of Poker moving past the halfway point. And I guess about 45 bracelets given out so far, Joe. And uh, there's always so many great stories, uh, reemergence of uh, great star players. Uh, some welcome, like uh, Joe Cotta, who's uh, threatening for a bracelet here. Uh, some not so uh uh, thankful to have uh, guys like uh, Howard Lederer and uh, Jesus Ferguson back. Yeah, I, I haven't heard of their names being up in the top uh, money list on any of these. Well, G- uh, hey, Chris Ferguson has cashed maybe about four or five times. He's done but pretty min well. cash. Uh, no, he actually made a final table. He had a fourth place finish this week. Really? How the hell did I miss that? I was yeah, looking he, through the uh, whole list. I didn't went, see that. He went pretty deep and threatened for a bracelet earlier this week. Uh, uh, we're going to run down some of the results. I think uh, the ones to cover I, that I think I have ready are 32 through 40. Uh, but some of the stuff going on right now is just outstanding. There's a really interesting event, the $5,000 No Limit Hold'em with 30-minute levels. Would you call that a turbo? I guess you would. For the pros, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for these guys, I mean, they're used to... Uh, you know, an hour levels, you know, two hours in the main event, half hours, very quick. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, there's, I guess they, these guys can adjust to pretty much anything, you know. They're just, uh, they seem to be uh, proficient at really any level of, of play out there. Well, listen, once you've been playing for as many years as a lot of these guys, and even the younger guys, even, even though they don't have the actual years in the brick and mortar, they've put in more than those years online. And, you know, you know the strategies that go into each different game depending on, on the speed of the, the blinds, the amount of the, you know, your starting stack size, uh, the mode that you get into depending on how many big blinds you have left as, as opposed, you know, with the level that you're at. So, you know, th- there's, there's a reason why these guys are world champions and world-class poker players. They, they know how to adjust on the fly yeah. and, and everything. Well, I know that mixing it up is a big point, but I'm not a sophisticated enough poker player to really know the intricate dif- differences between... I mean, it's pretty obvious between lim- limit and no limit, but the strategy of the game is something I haven't really grasped yet. Uh, but the differences between... Uh, games with shorter levels or deeper stacks or, you know, there's so many different ways to play it. And uh, I, don't, I don't think there's really any one way to play anything, but, you know, this does affect the way you approach a game. There isn't, Dave, but it's like anything else that you have to go to school to learn to become a doctor, a right. lawyer, an engineer. Right. Poker's the same way, and it has different levels for you to get into this game. And it's not only a game of, of it's not a game of absolutes, Dave. It's you know, it, it, there isn't one set style like you just mentioned of playing this game, or else everybody's going to read you and get to you there. It, it, it's a game that you have to know how to change up your speed, so to speak, and the, the style of play. It's also a game of reads. You know, you have to read the situation, read your opponent. And none of this comes overnight. This comes through, you know, many hours, many days, many weeks, years of playing this game, of playing, you know, a certain style, seeing other people's styles, seeing how they react to certain situations. It's an accumulation of all this knowledge that, that 
makes you a world-class player when you're able to read this. I mean, you know, TV really, you know, fantasizes about the bluff being called or, or not being called and the player getting away with it. But, you know, the truth is poker players realize that it wasn't just one hand that all of a sudden someone, you right, know, made right, made right. a hero call or made a great bluff to get somebody to, to drop a better hand. You know, this this comes after getting so much, you know, knowledge and experience in the years and in that particular tournament leading up to that moment the styles of play against those players and watching them for hours on end before you've made that move you know the tv just you know makes it seem like like you know, like you just pulled that trick out of your hat how about so many of these guys that uh you know uh you know are great players have had uh you know many titles have challenged on a lot of the tv broadcasts that we see maybe a guy like Joe Searock, uh, WPT Player of the Year two years ago. He has two min caches out there in like uh, out of 40-some tournaments. I don't know how many he played exactly, but you look at all these guys. It's it's really kind of interesting, uh, you know, and then you look at uh, someone that, that gets hot. You know, a rep porter uh, has five or six tournament caches. He had, Including a bracelet. He had a bracelet. He had four caches last week when they did the show. Or even, I guess it was two weeks when we did the show. And then now about 25 tournaments went by, and he's had one cash in those 25. He's now, obviously playing now to these. Now to you, does that mean he's regressed? No, or, no. Does it, or does it make it even more impressive, the fact that he's cashed prior to that, that he's won a bracelet? You know, that just tells you the, the degree of difficulty it is to, first of all, to, to cash. Second of all, to to make a final table, and third, to win a bracelet, and he's done that, you know, and and it's that difficult to do. I mean, um, to win a bracelet in these tournaments, when you're talking thousands of entrants, you know, it, it needs to be a perfect storm. You know, it, it really needs to be a perfect storm, or you have to de- you have to accumulate so many chips that you can weather a few stormy seas and a few bumps along the road there to to you know withstand that but most most of these it comes down to one or two situations usually races coin flips and if you're not on the right side of that coin flip you know it seems like you didn't do anything yeah. and and that's not fair we know the greatness of these players we know the the caliber of poker players that they are and yet you look at the re- you can't be re- result based on everything because it's going to look like Oh, this guy's regressed as a player. The grinder, for instance, you know, you know when he when he made his splash into this into the poker world, you know, he 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 came in as loud as anybody, you know, winning bracelets and doing this poker player championship, two time winner, and then you don't hear anything from him for a couple of years. It just lets you know how difficult it is to maintain yourself at such a high level. Yeah. And with that being said, that's how impressive Jason has been this year. That. He has been at the top of, of his game for six or seven years and already a two-time bracelet winner, a runner-up. Uh, you know, he's just having a phenomenal year out there right now. Yeah, absolutely. You look at a guy like Tony Gregg, 71st in the world. He has one cash. Yeah. Uh, Ari Engel has three min caches. I think Joseph Chong has two or three min caches. These are all players in the top 100 of the world. Then you pick out another guy and you see him running deep in maybe uh, eight, nine, ten events so far. 
Yeah, and, and the frustrating part for somebody who runs deep in eight or nine, ten events, if he doesn't have a bracelet for it or a top three finish, I don't know if that's even more frustrating than not have, not even getting a cash. Well, let's look at uh, the what to me is the most interesting story so far. Uh, event number 41 is the Monster Stack, 6,976 players. Uh, only a $1,500 buy-in, but a huge field. Uh, Mitchell Towner was the winner of this. He's 29 years old, a finance professor at the University of Arizona. Says he plays a little cash for fun. I don't even really play poker, he says. So he's only in once in his life spent over $100 on a tournament buy-in. That was about three years ago. He, played a, he said he couldn't even remember if it was a 1000 or a $1,500 event. He has never cashed in a tournament in his life going into the tournament, and he wins this tournament, $1.12 million, getting past 6,900 players. It's, it's unbelievable. It, you know, and, and we hear, not, not to say stories like this with 6,900 people, but as I remember you telling me off the air about this, you know, this amazing feat that this man did with very little experience, it brought to mind last year's, uh, uh, I believe it was Do Seven Low Ball or Raz tournament that a gentleman entered by mistake, thinking he was entering a no limit tournament, couldn't get out of it after he was dealt a hand. People explained the game to him at the table, and he winds up walking away with the with, with the bracelet. <laughs> also, you know, those are those are the feel good stories that you hear at the at the World Series of Poker, and it listen. To me, you want to know what the biggest one of that is, Dave? What's that? And listen, he's been a guest on our show. But, you know, when Jamie Gold made his run in the main event, you know, I, I don't know how many people knew about him prior to that. You know, his style of play, he burned out the following year, I think within an hour of being in there because he thought his style of play. I mean, you know, you catch lightning in a bottle, as the saying goes, and, and he ran deep. And, and, you know, again, without knowing what kind of hands he ran into, but with 6,900 people, he must have had 10, 15, 20, 30 coin tosses that all of them had to go his way. Well, he said, you know, he said, I thought I would just try to hang in there, and that's exactly what I did. And then all of a sudden, it started to get hit with a deck, you know. So he, he did uh, get good cards. But uh, some of the other players uh, that ran in the top ten, David Pham, uh, Andrew Moreno, Matt Affleck. Uh, two old-timers that made deep runs were T.J. Cloutier and Donica O'Day. Uh, two well-known older don't, guys. Don't tell TJ he's an old-timer. Yeah, <laughs> he might want to prove you wrong. <laughs> I know. Josh Arier, Jared Jaffe, uh, Jared Jaffe uh, David Peters, these guys all went deep in this tournament. And, uh, you know, this guy says he, he went to Las Vegas for a conference, for a science conference with his, t- his teaching job. Uh, decided to take a shot in the monster stack because he had a few. Uh, he, had a, he said, I had an extra 1500 laying around. I've been working pretty hard over the last <laughs> few years. Uh, after having no money as a Ph.D. student at the University of Texas, he now teaches at Arizona and made his way to the final table. He looks, uh, sees, uh, you know, all these great players. Matt Affleck uh, was uh, two players to his left, you know. He's just looking at this thing, not really expecting to do much, but he says, uh, you know, so I'm just gonna. I'm not gonna be opening light or calling in marginal spots. He said all these players are all some sort of young wizards, and uh, then he got a little bit of good fortune toward the end and, and ends up winning the event. Pretty incredible. Yeah, it really is. You know, I, I guess he waded through the waters, wait picking his hands that he wanted to play. And like I said, David, no matter even if you wait for just aces and kings and queens and ace king suited, they still have to hold up. Yeah. 
they still have to hold up. And, you know, congratulations to them because that's that's a really feel-good story there. It's, you know, what we really love to see, and it seems like every year there's some sort of very interesting with so many different bracelet events out there that just kind of, you know, catch your imagination and makes you feel really good and special how someone totally unexpected wins the tournament. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Uh, one other story I wanted to share that I thought was very interesting this week was uh, a young fellow named Duke Lee. Uh, you know, we hear all the time about people multi-tabling events, and it happens online all the time, obviously, right. you know, 10, 12, 16 screens, whatever these guys play. Uh, but he actually did this live in Vegas, and not both at the Rio. They were in different hotels. Oh my uh, one term, one was a World Series of Poker tournament event at the Rio. The other was at the M uh, Hotel. Uh, the Hollywood Poker Open was the name of the event. Uh, the main event, $2,500 buy-in. And it were being played pretty much at the same time. Here's what happened. Uh, he made uh, day two of the, uh, or actually he was up to day three of, of the Hollywood Poker Open. And he made the final 21 players. Okay. Now, he had also started... Uh, the monster stack, and made day two, and they were both starting at 11 p.m. or 11 oh a.m. on the same day, 20 minutes away, a 20-minute ride between the two places. So what do you do? You're in, uh, you're in the final 21. Uh, now he was. There were 1,998 players back from the original 6,900 for day two. So obviously you're going to start at the Hollywood Poker Open. You got That's a chance to win. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. You got to decide. You know, if you want to just, you know. Go for broke and get it done and get out of there. Try to make a good payoff. Or if you want to figure that the value is in winning that event, and no matter uh, what happens at the other one, he figured out that if he just got blinded off, he had a couple hours uh, that he could spare at the uh, Monster Stack and that he would probably make the money even if he never showed up. Okay. So that was his choice, was to go over and play day three of the uh, Hollywood Poker Open. He had 284,000 chips. He was 18th out of the final 21 when he was guaranteed to make at least $9,700. Uh, the Monster Stack was uh, getting ready to start, and he had 116,000 chips, and that one good for 114th place out of the 1900. So he was in good shape in that tournament and really could, could give up some of the early going. You know, you, you want to get there somehow. Uh, and it was paying out over a thousand places, so he's in pretty good shape. Yeah, he's only about 119 away from just getting into the money. Right. So he went ahead and ends up uh, finishing. Let's see, what was his finish here in the in the Monster or in the Hollywood Poker Open? Uh, he finished in 18th place for 12,998. Okay, so he got a $10,000 return. Yeah, he, he made one pay jump in that last day. Uh, he also had pocket kings uh, that lost to pocket tens. Like I said, you, you, you're going to get in there with great hands, and you've you got to hope they hold up. Exactly. So he jumped in his car 20 minutes back over to the Rio to get in the other tournament and uh, worked his way up to 416,000 chips at the end of day two. He was in 92nd place out of 276 players. Wow. So now he's guaranteed 5,500 in this one. But he comes back for day three. Gets through the entire day and makes it to day four. He's in 23rd position out of the final 26 on day four. And his pay jump had to be very nice at that point. Well, he had locked up 39000 for himself in that tournament. Uh, he busted out fairly early on that last day, busting out in 24th place. 
when he had pocket queens, or not pocket queens, he had a pair of queens on the flop and ran into pocket aces. <laughs> Uh, so in the two tournaments, he uh, beat over 7,500 entries, uh, winning 52,000 combined in the two tournaments. And he, what did he do? Buy in for 1,525 for $4,000. Correct. He picks up 47,000 going back and forth. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you, you might see a jump in people multi-tabling like this after after hearing this story. I, I just I don't know how they ha- how how old is this young man? He's 20. Hmm. Just that he's twenty, whatever. I think he's twenty-four. Twenty-four. That's that's you know. Listen, you see you. Can you see you and me doing that? Dave? No, if no, we had the skill not. level to be able to well, do you're, that. You're talking about stress level there. That's, that's what uh, I'm trying know. to say. Oh, at our age, you know, at our age, it's just going back and forth. My mind wouldn't be able to concentrate on the game at hand, worrying about how how badly I'm being blinded out in the other one, and. Like I said, this this is a completely different mindset for today's poker players because of playing online for all these years. He said when he got to the M and sat down at the table that there were a lot of players at his table that he had played with on earlier days. So they knew he was in both events and figured it would affect his play. And so he, they're trying so to figure I? out how to attack him. Uh, you know, he, he said... Uh, he said, I originally just thought I would bust that event and then late register for the Monster Stack. But uh, instead, he wanted to play the full day of the Monster Stack and and deal with the overlap, he says. So, you know, it's something. And they asked him about it afterwards. What he, uh, you know, would he ever do it again? And, and he said, uh, uh, if it's two really good tournaments, I would do it again. The uh, HPO was actually very tough at the end, but I knew that both tournaments were going to be a five value. Yeah, he said, I would do it again. At his age, why not? <laughs> At his age, and the success he just had, uh, yeah, I, that would be my response, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're keeping an eye on Jason Mercier, obviously, uh, has not won his third bracelet yet. Still plenty of events to go. But I guarantee you he's putting a scare into Vanessa Sulz because he keeps making deep runs. Got knocked out in 29th place in event number 48. So, again, another deep run. He's had uh, four final tables. Uh, he's had, I guess, now nine caches altogether, so he's uh, he's uh, doing well. The funny thing is, uh, two other players have won two bracelets, and Benny Glazer is still alive in one right now that he's in, and has a chance to win his third and beat Jason to three. Wow, it Which really is, is amazing it, to, to have three players already have won two tour, two bracelets each, and one, and all three of them vying for a third. That's um, that's amazing. It really is. Phil Helmuth also still alive in this event uh, number forty-eight. Uh, Will Faella is alive in event forty-six. We're keeping an eye on some of our favorites. Uh, George Danzer, who I had in my uh, fantasy team last year, not this year though. Unfortunately, he did win a bracelet. He won event number forty-three, which was. Uh, uh, the seven-card, no, see, no, I'm sorry, I got that wrong. It's the seven-card uh, stud high-low split eight or better championship with $10,000 buy-in. So he wins 338000 in that one. That was event number 43. When we come back, we're going to run down uh, some of the other events and, and give you some of the details. There's also a couple other things I want to do tonight. Uh, one is to talk about, I was over at uh, Mardi Gras today, big easy poker room at Mardi Gras, and... Uh, talking to the Dave Litvin there. And I also uh, went to Gulfstream, talked with Scott Poole, and uh, they had a nice room going over there as well. Uh, the thing at Mardi Gras is they're trying something new starting July 1st, and I wanted to ask you a couple of things about it. Uh, not Nothing uh, earth-shaking or brand new, but they're going to expand to a lot of other games, like some of the smaller games. And, and one is to uh, run it twice, 
which, uh, you know, I, I don't know how much that affects the game, uh, but we will talk about it. Also, uh, um, you know, there's other aspects of the, of the game that they're expanding. Uh, one, another one is the Mississippi Straddle, which they're adding on, on July 1st, available to every game. So we'll talk about that as well. And uh, what's involved in that, whether you should or shouldn't straddle, we, we've had discussions about that before, and we're, neither of us is a fan of that, but we'll talk about that a little bit as well. So uh, let's take our first bake on the program. We've got uh, having, going to Gulfstream today, beautiful place. This was a day with no racing, so a little bit different atmosphere over there today, a few less people, and uh, still a gorgeous place with a lot of action in the poker room and, and a good time by everyone having there. Yeah, I know, and, and it's, it's no racing today, so I was going to say, you know, with the rain that we've been getting for the last couple of weeks, be looking for your favorite mudder on the on the racetrack there. <laughs> well, they have a huge, uh, they have a huge uh, promotion coming up this week, and I picked up some of the information about it, and it's called uh, All Three Days of Racing, called the Freedom Fest. It's coming up for the 4th of July, uh, Saturday, July 2nd, Sunday the 3rd, and Monday the 4th. Uh, the big thing on Saturday is a giveaway, the Jumbo Beach Tote Bag, which is, uh, you know, sounds off the top of your head, it sounds a little cheesy, but this is a very nice uh, beige embroidered bag with the Summit of Speed logo, so a lot of lo- action there, and it's very interesting. Uh, and what day is that? That is Saturday, the, th- the 2nd, uh, noon to 4 p.m. They'll be giving away the Jumbo Tote Bags if you buy a reserved seat. Uh, also, all three days, they're going to have the Fan Grab Bag Giveaway. Uh, with lots of different prizes available for that as well. Betting vouchers, uh, swag, uh, VIP fan experiences, racing wagers, and uh, buffets at the Ten Palms. So, you know, a lot of the great stuff there. Uh, it'll be in the breezeway from 1 to 5 p.m. all three days. Uh, racing starts on Saturday at 12.45, and then on Sunday at 1.15, and Monday as well, 1.15. They'll have fireworks. They're going to have a lot of great stuff. Um, Big Independence giveaway on Monday as well, a slot tournament, and they'll have the fireworks is actually on Sunday night, uh, the third from the grandstand. Um, kids zone stuff, DJs, giveaways, food trucks, uh, all kinds of great stuff uh, coming up this weekend. That's the second through the fourth at Gulfstream. But don't forget about the poker room. Great action there, always uh, fun games and uh, great tournaments nightly at 7 p.m. So check it out. Give them a call over there if you need any information at 954-457-6336. That's 954-457-6336. It's Gulfstream Park. Welcome to your playground. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. A lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. 
At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes. And if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit. And much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean. You can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. Tuesday nights on WFO Radio are all about Nitro. Join Joe at 7 p.m. Eastern each Tuesday night for the live edition of NHRA Tuesday Nitro. Race winners stop by to talk about bringing home the Wally every Tuesday night following NHRA national events. Tony Schumacher. Tony, welcome back. Love being on the show because you usually meant. We did something absolutely amazing. NHRA Nitro is available on demand anytime at WFORadio.com. Welcome back to the program. Big Dave Lemon, Joe Rodriguez here on Poker Action Line. And, uh, you know, I want to identify some of the winners and some of the big uh, finishes in the in the uh, World Series of Poker over the last week or so. But let's take a look first at some of the events going on right now. Uh, the 1500 Bounty, no limit hold'em event with 18 players left. Stephen G is the leader. Uh, Stephen uh, went to the uh, November 9. There's a woman in second place. Uh, G has 2.25 million chips. Kristen Bicknell right behind with 2 million 10,000. Uh, let's see, who else is still alive here? We got uh, Will Fiella. With 440,000 chips, Matt Stout with 205,000. There's 19 players left. That's an event 46, that That's correct? That's 46, uh, 1,500 bounty. Uh, event number 49 is seven-card stud. And uh, keep an eye on this one because a good friend of the show, Corey Zeidman from Coral Springs, is uh, still in this one as well. They're down to 56 players out of 331. This was a $1,500 buy-in. Corey Zeidman with 72,000 chips. The chip leader is Yaniv Bierman at 110K, Adam Friedman in second, Brandon Cantu in fourth place, uh, Sean Deeb has a pretty nice stack, 58,000, Benny Glazer, who's won two events and uh, trying to win a third, has 56,000, and Rob Mizraki also uh, doing pretty well, 48,500 chips in that one, so we'll keep an eye on him. Uh, Max Pescatori, still pretty good field, Eugene Kachilov, Cindy Violet. Uh, and Yuval Bronstein still alive. Max Pescatore is also yeah. in the... Yeah, uh, I just said that. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, then we got uh, event number 48, which is the one we're keeping an eye on the most. Uh, we know our good friends from South Florida. Uh, several, uh, Jason Mercier, Chance Corneth, and Hans Winsler, all have been eliminated. They're down to 16 players in this one. And let's see, Phil Helmuth is in sixth place with over a million chips. Chip leader is Ankish Mandavia. With uh, 1.65 million, Joe Cotta in third with 1.15 million. So, still a good field left with some very interesting stories here. Yeah, I'll tell you a lot of it, a lot of a lot of very interesting uh, people left in these tournaments. I'd love to see that Joe Cotta, Phil Helmuth is going to be fine. If they get to that final table, it'd be very interesting to see how those two get along there. Two yeah. main event winners there at the final table. Absolutely. Uh, 
the seven card stud high low split eight or better was uh was a pretty interesting tournament as well uh that one was won by uh George Danzer who I uh, mentioned earlier it's his fourth career bracelet uh some of the uh, by the way I mentioned last week and I didn't have it in front of me so the six players who have scored the trifecta of winning three tournaments in one year uh Puggy Pearson Phil Helmuth Ted Forrest Phil Ivey and the last one to do it was Jeffrey Lissandro in 2009. And let me tell you something. Pug Pearson, granted there was a lot less tournaments back then, but there was also probably under 50 players playing in these tournaments. So I would assume it would be a little bit easier to win, even though there were less tournaments to yeah, play. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the other event, uh, local South Florida player Steve Walansky, who's, just, who's from uh, Cooper City, which is really, I think, about a driver two iron from here, uh, from the studio here. Yeah. Uh, let me get the exact number on that, uh, what he won. Event number 44 was the 1,000 No Limit Hold'em Buy-In. And Walansky, uh wins that one uh, over Wenlong Jin. And uh, it was interesting final hand. I, I did uh, write it down. Uh, he wins 298000 by the way, Walansky. And Justin Zaki also, who's been on the program with us several times from Tampa, finished in fifth in that one, so... A nice uh, final table for him. Uh, that was event number 44, the 1,000 No Limit Hold'em. Last hand uh, was pretty interesting. Uh, Walansky had pocket eights, went all in. By the way, these guys played uh, played something like 150 hands head-to-head. They played 84 hands last night and until, then another until, 70? until 2 in the morning. Uh, they decided to bring them back since they both had like a 5 million chips right at it. So it was even after 84 hands. They came back and played like another 46 today or something like that. Oof. Finally, on the last hand, Walansky has pocket eights. Jin has uh, uh, queen jack offsuit. And the flop is king 7 8. So uh, the, uh, the three pack, the, the set in for, of eights for Walansky. And on the turn, it comes another eight. So nice that, way to that end, off. That ended that ended that <laughs> tournament real quick. Absolutely. So uh, certainly a lot of fun. And uh, and Walansky is a guy who plays locally here in South Florida at the Isle Casino uh, in a lot of tournaments and that sort of thing. And uh, I've had a chance to talk to him a couple of times, but it's always nice to see good local guys here uh, do yeah. well. Yeah. That, didn't we have somebody from Cooper City last year also? I think take down a bracelet or, or, or came in second place last year. I, if I, I think it, was, it might have been Steve. Oh, okay. Because I, I know somebody it. went very deep uh, from Cooper City last year. We were discussing that on the show last year. I just can't remember the player's name right now. Uh, event number forty-five. I think just finished last night. That was. Uh, that was Lauren Klein. Lauren Klein winning that one. Uh, it was the mixed uh, No Limit Hold'em and PLO uh, mixture last night. So uh, anyway, we'll run down some of the results here for you. Uh, we'll save that for the last part of the program because I want I got a couple things I want to go over with uh, Joe about uh, you know some local games here. I mean, it's obviously these guys play on a different level, but here in your local cash games at your room, uh, some of the things that uh, are tried by different rooms. And uh, Dave Litvin has uh, been a good friend of mine for a long time, and. And uh, although he, I just wrote a story in Andy Up about how he's found the consistency in his uh, uh, bad beat jackpots, not bad beat jackpots, but the high hand giveaways. If he's consistent that, he says fans know they can count on it. And while everyone tries to compete by 
uh, one upping the next and and uh, giving away 500 every half hour or 200 every 20 minutes or or whatever they do certain times of the day. A lot of times players will show up and they'll say, you know, hey, I don't. They're not giving away enough for me, and uh, so then I end up going someplace else. And and Lidfin feels that you know if he knows that players are out there and saying, hey, if they don't like the giveaways at someplace else, they're always going to come back to me. What do you yeah, think about that? Well, listen. Uh, <laughs> I mentioned on our show probably five, six years ago when we first started that uh, the path we were heading in was a very dangerous one from a management standpoint. Right. From a player standpoint, it's wonderful. Uh, unfortunately, we've created a monster a monster where we, <laughs> we have very little, very little loyalty to a poker room. All right? We, in essence, are buying... Uh, players with these high hands, and they have grown so accustomed to it that you know numbers that anywhere else in the country would would be driving the local poker players you know in droves to their rooms, you know, are you know observed here with like a little shrug of the shoulder, like is that all? Is that all you're giving me? You know, um, and it's hard to compete with that, Dave, because after a while. You like you just mentioned, we're trying to one up the other, trying to hide it some way. Bottom line is, you're going to have to give out a large amount of money over the course of the hour, whether you break it up into four parts every 15 minutes, every 20, every half hour, once an hour, whatever it is that you're going to do, okay. And your competitor is going to try to match you or just outdo you to try to see if he can swing the players. Then the next one is going to do the same thing. And what's going to happen is these rooms can't all survive. Right. You know, we've already seen we've already seen one room, which was the one I used to run now, done because of extremely poor management. Calder, who actually started a lot of these high hand. Yeah. Well, in, I'm, in I'm the, the you know listen, I, Miami Highline, and I'm very proud to say we were the first people ever to give out two thousand dollars an hour. Okay, I remember the shockwave in the industry, people calling me. Is this true? I just heard you announced in your room. I mean, as soon as I announced it in the room, cheers, people were high-fiving, making plans. Oh, trying to make reservations. I said, listen, there's no reservations. We, you know, you, you want to guarantee yourself a seat, start playing from the night before at 3 or 4 in the morning. You know, uh, getting phone calls within 10 minutes of people who were calling other people at, at other uh, – poker rooms and saying, is this true? So-and-so just called me to tell me you guys are going to be giving away $2,000. And now it's no big thing. I remember when it was $1,000 an hour. You know, uh, Ma um, uh, Magic City used to give out $1,000 an hour for 12 hours on the last Sunday of the month. Then when Calder still had a poker room, they started to do that. And, you know, it was big. And people caught on. I realized really quickly, look, this is, this is driving large numbers. And then you hope that you can keep them there with their, your service, with the way, you know, your professionalism. And it's just not the case in the majority of these players, Dave. Right. It's just not. And listen, you know, uh, the last time I checked the numbers on Dania's poker room, you know, they gave out quite a lot of money at the very beginning. I don't think they're seeing the results no, of it. they're not. And like I said, I mean, I predicted this five, six years ago. Rooms are going to close down. I'm surprised more haven't because it's very difficult to, to sustain that kind of, of giveaway 
because you can't take in enough money from the jackpot rake to cover that cost. So unless you're getting the play so that you're so you're going into your profits to pay some of these these uh, you know promotional costs off. It, it, Eventually, management looks at this and goes, what the hell, we're, you know, we keep be- beating our heads against the wall, and we're not getting any results. And to be honest with you, Dave, if the big monster in the area decides they, they, they want to do, you know, they want to blow everybody away, you they know, could. they have the resources yeah. to do that, and they can maintain that loss for a significant amount of time to the point where other rooms around the, around the town are going to have to decide whether it's worth it to do this at all. Then, then to me, what happens is you start downsizing to, okay, we're just going to offer this as a minimal entertainment process. It's not going to be a, a, a big money draw. It's not going to bring us people uh, that are going to also play slots, at, which are the main, main game, gambling game down here. So, yes, it's great for the players now, but in the long haul, I believe it will eventually affect them to where it's done like everywhere else around the country where when they're offering $200 every half hour, you know, they, they think that's the, you know, that's the most incredible thing in the world. Our players here in South Florida are just laughing at that. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's talk about a couple of things that they're adding starting July 1st at uh, Mardi Gras, the Big Easy Poker Room. And one is the Mississippi Straddle, um, which differs from a regular straddle. Usually it's called a button straddle. It, uh, you have the big blind, the small blind, and then the, the I guess it was next player yeah. uh, can go ahead under and, the gun. And, and on the under gun. That's what I was looking for. Uh, can can make the straddles. And uh, the, the difference in the Mississippi straddle is that anybody at the table can straddle. Now, it does go by that Which first spot under the gun also, yeah. through. Now, it has been allowed in the past, but usually only in the bigger games. Now they're allowing it in the one-two. Uh, the straddles five dollars in a one-two game, ten dollars in a two-five game, and uh, basically it can come from any position. Um, so, first of all, what are your general thoughts about straddling? It's not a good uh, <laughs> strategy game, although it does create action, which is good for action junkies and for sometimes the poker room. Who no, will... not sometimes. It's always, always great for the poker okay. room. You love. I mean, one of the high games down here was a 10:25 game Magic City was the first one that I remember running this they they had a lot of big gamblers it was a $10,000 minimum buy in it was 10:25 $50 minimum straddle so it was costing you $85 a, uh, an orbit wasn't there some place and they uh, someone told me this today that there has been places before where they put no limit on the straddle you could straddle for whatever you wanted exactly and that kind of made it a little too crazy yeah, for everybody too crazy. you 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 want action but when you're making the straddle so high that the people can't play in the game you're you're actually defeating the purpose of right. creating action you understand well so, what i asked livid today was basically are you going to have a problem for people who don't want to straddle uh you know Maybe there's one or two players that will want to straddle every every orbit every time around, uh, or maybe every hand. This creates a situation where they can do it every hand. And if you don't like it, do you get up, leave the game, and try to get into another table, which yeah, causes problems? It's like a catch twenty two for the room, and I'm going to explain to you why, both from management standpoint, player standpoint. Okay, okay? you love the action. From a management standpoint, you love the action because you know you're going to get a maximum rake on every hand. Okay? But with that, creating that, that much action, I've opened up tables 
where we had a lot of money on that table. It was just these guys weren't there to play poker. They were there to gamble. You understand? And there's a big difference. And the pots got so exceedingly high, you know, which creates an excitement in the room. But then what happens is you start draining other tables of people who want to come in. The action is moving at such a quick pace, you're blowing players out who are who are, who are tapping out, you know. Mm-hmm. They, they no longer have the bankroll to play in this type of game. So, yeah, it creates a buzz, but if you can't sustain it for four, five, six, seven hours, and it's dead in an hour, and it's wiped out a bunch of your poker players, and it's broken other tables because it's brought some of them over there chasing that money, it's been, you know, counterproductive for you, you know. Now, if you could sustain that, it's great because you're maxing out. You're filling up other tables for people who want to come and play at that at that particular game. Sometimes the game gets so good you're able to split it into two games, okay? But, again, uh, straddling and this type of thing is the people who love to do that, the good players who love to do that is because they figure they're playing against a bunch of idiots, you know, a bunch of, you know, People who are just throwing their money in because of the machismo down here, because, you know, they've challenged your manhood. I've seen it at the table, Dave. It's amazing. And people are just throwing money in there like if they were throwing punches in a fight. And, you know, from a management standpoint, I prefer not to see that type of game. You don't mind it once in a while, but you don't want to be known for that because... You kind of burn out your room kind of quickly, in, right, my, in right. my opinion. That's what I would. You think. understand? You want you want an action game, but you want the action to be played kind of like in the normal sense of the way the word the play is supposed to be. You know what happens with these straddles is, like I said, it, it becomes an ego and a machismo thing, and one one person is trying to up the other on every single hand and. It really gets. It, it, it sometimes it's gotten ugly, you know, because uh, it it boils over into, you know, you know who the heck do you think you are, and it's not a game anymore. All of a sudden, it's a personal challenge. Right. So, you know, I I I, I have very 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 mixed feelings. I personally, as a poker player, don't like that. I don't like you know people constantly putting that kind of pressure. Eventually, you're going to either get blinded out. Or you're going to feel so intimidated that it's not going to become fun to you anymore, and you leave. Well, we'll find out what the reaction is there. Uh, talk to him next week after it's been uh, in for a few days and see what the initial reaction is. He, as he told me, he said, you know, we try these things, and you know, it's not etched in stone. He said these players aren't shy; they're going to tell me what they feel about it, and then we'll make a decision. But you know, we try a few new things. Uh, will it bring new players into your room? Do you think? Um, I offered it from day one, and I didn't see it was it was real nice the first month, and then it kind of died out after that for me. You know, you'd see the game; people still had the option to straddle. Um, you you could straddle under the gun or on the button, and that was it. At first, mm-hmm. you could straddle from anywhere with a Mississippi straddle. My players eventually drew themselves away from that. Mm-hmm. You understand? Like I said, for those reasons that I just stated before. So, eh, it, you know, it may give him a table or two. Now, whether he sustains it is a different story. My games kind of went back from the craziness that it was at the very beginning back to a normal state. And and it kind of stayed that way until I was let go. Right. You know, and I'm I'm assuming Dave is probably going to, 
see the same style. It's not going to bring you five or six, seven tables. There just aren't those type of players out there that want to play that. Right. Most people are, you know, your your bread and butter poker players. They're 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 very vanilla. They like to play the game the way it's supposed to be played. Right. Um, so this is for the maniacs out there. To be honest with you, yeah. this is you know for for the adrenaline junkies who who just crave the action. They're not there to play poker. They're there to crave action. And if they win, they win. Right. And Again, you you might get a table or two. The action has to be that crazy, but it won't sustain itself. It just it, it's just the money usually goes to two or three players, which are the top players who are going to love it, and the true maniacs are going to blow out their their bankroll. And you're going to have to wait until they you know until they build up their bankroll again in a couple of months. And the less aggressive players are going to have to find other tables to play at. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and they will. There, there's not there's not going to be a shortage of that there. You know, the, that game is suited for only a specific amount of players. And, you know, once those players either bust out or go home, game ends. Yeah. The other players don't want to play that style. You know, I, I, you're not comfortable playing in that style. I'm not comfortable. A lot of great players. There's a reason why top pros don't straddle in, in, the, in, in games because they don't like putting, you know, money, more money into a pot without having seen their cards. Yeah. So... That's just how it works. Okay. The other one I wanted to talk about was the run it twice uh, aspect of a game, which has been available, you know, in two five games and up uh, at this place at Mardi Gras, and probably is available in a lot of other places different ways. Uh, this is not to be confused with the double flop hold'em, where you have no. two flops. This no. is <laughs> this is after the flop when you're down to two players, and it could be done with more, and I guess it yes. has been done with more. Yes, but it has. From what he told me, he said you're just opening yourself up to possible collusion that way if you do that. Uh, you know, well, say one guy's all in for 20000 uh the other two guys have 100000 in front of them, and uh, the one guy goes all in. Now uh, it can affect the action uh, between the other two guys. Well, that's the risk you take because you went all in with a lesser amount. Now the other two get in. Now remember, all parties have to agree. Right, but all they've decided parties... to limit it to just when there's two players going head to head. Okay. It and only after the there's no more action, so one player has to be all in, and they'll decide between. If one player wants to do it, the other doesn't, then they won't do it. Well, that that's always been yeah. the case. Yeah, exactly. It's always been the case. And let me tell you, I've seen it with three. Two players have to be all in, and all three have to agree. Right. So. That kind of limits the collusion. You right. understand? Yeah, um, I see. Uh, uh, you know, if if you think you're being colluded, you just say no. You know, I'll play the board the way it is. Mm-hmm. Remember, you got to base your action based on what you've seen. Now, granted, I have seen double double flops, double turns, double rivers in a you want to run it twice scenario because they're all all in uh, pre-flop. Mm-hmm. A lot of it you'll see on the turn. You'll see on the turn, or you will see on the river. Once, once they've gotten it all in, you know, after the flop or after the turn. Right. And they'll say, do you want to run it twice? Now, generally, do you do this? Do you like this at all? Well, when I, I have, it, for me, it has no, no, no value whatsoever as a management standpoint. No, I'm talking about as a player. As a player, uh, yeah. I mean, listen, if you've gotten it all in and you've got a great hand and you figure there's only three or four outs to beat you, you don't mind running it twice because he's still at a he's very large. Right behind, yeah. And if he gets lucky on that first one, well, now you've got what it is is you're kind of buying yourself insurance. Yeah, I'm going to get I'm going to get my money back 
if he gets lucky on one of these two. And if he doesn't, which he's a big underdog, I'm going to scoop the pot anyway. Well, here's, here's, the, here's the caveat that uh, really makes it interesting is in this, as they try this, and obviously mm-hmm. this is a room with a lot of uh, uh, high-hand giveaways, they're going to allow both boards to count toward the jackpot. Now, so now, if you have a great hand, then you're obviously going to want to run it twice. That is a, that, that's a great concept. Now, as a poker player who doesn't play and, and, and run it twice, I'm going to be very upset if you hit a jackpot or a high hand that knocks mine out on a second board that shouldn't have been allowed. And what I used to do, uh, because I allowed this from day one once you know we renovated the casino, like I said, in the Mississippi you know straddle, the only thing I did when they did that was at the very beginning, I didn't want to have any issues with the state, you know, because they can review any tape. And, you know, back then, Dave, there was no, you know, run it twice in any of the in any of, <laughs> of the wording of what constituted a poker game. It's kind of, you know, this is what we did. And every room started following and the state was kind of being very lax on us, allowing us to do these things. I just didn't want someone to have hit a jackpot or, or a high hand, have someone complain to the state. They come looking at our thing, and they're going, why do you have a game where there are seven cards exposed, you know, yeah. instead of five? And then you have to kind of explain it. And then well, you're this has all been approved before they, they got this started. So It was approved. Yeah. Okay, well, I've been out now for three years. But when I was out, it was it not approved. It was not approved. Okay. Now... I would be very upset to be playing in a game where, you know, my game, my people don't want to play a double double uh, flop because, in essence, that's what it's going to come out to. For that, you might as well run double flops on every single game. It will increase the chances of someone getting a high hand because you're going to have two boards out there, okay? But this is run it twice with two people all in. So you're talking about collusion, well, guess what? If we got a very small amount of money, you and I could go in and we're both trying to risk. Hey, if you've got a chance at a royal flush on the flop, now you've got four cards to turn over one, that card that you need. Yeah, running it twice yeah. sure makes a lot of sense, doesn't yeah, it? As and, opposed and to getting it too. someone you know, hey, I'll, uh, you'll flip me 20% or something. I, exactly. You know, what, what the hell? You People know? will find a way to screw it up. Yeah, uh, this, this, uh, like, <laughs> what I used to do was, you guys want to run it twice? Fine. Neither one of them is going to be eligible for a high hand or or any of the other promotionals that we were running at that time. And usually it's done in a higher limit game. So they didn't care about the promotion. Those players weren't there for the promotion. Okay, uh, if you wondered what happened to Jason Mercier in this tournament, uh, he was uh, doing pretty well, and he went up against Sergei Lebedev and uh, had uh, ace-queen offsuit, went up against Lebedev, had ace-king and uh, the board ran out blank, and he was crippled down to from about 500,000 chips to 70,000. The very next hand, he went all in uh, against uh, both Chance Corneth and uh, Patrick Leonard. Uh, Jason went all in. Leonard called. Corneth went all in over the top for 240,000, and Leonard with pocket jacks called. Um, Chance had ace-king. Jason had ace-six. Did get a six on the flop, but it wasn't enough to take the jacks, and both players got knocked out in the same hand. Mm-hmm. So that's what happened to Jason in that one. He was making a pretty good run again, but there's still plenty more tournaments for him to get his third bracelet. So anyway, let's take a break here on the program, and we'll finish things up when we come back. A couple other things I want to talk about. 
And we'll try to get to those results. If not, we'll save them for next week. So uh, we'll let you know about Gulfstream Park with a big weekend coming up, 4th of July. July 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. There will be fireworks on Saturday night. There's all kinds of great stuff for the kids. There will be grab bag giveaways for all the patrons. And, uh, of course, great racing on Saturday, the Summit of Speed, which is one of the top events of the year, and the free tote bag giveaway, a very nice uh, item. If you uh, purchase a reserved seat, you get the free tote bag. And uh, believe me, I saw it today. It's embroidered, very nice uh, item, not some kind of cheapo. And uh, if you're looking for that sort of thing, then uh, I would encourage you to head out there this weekend. Now, of course, there's all the other things to do out at Gulfstream as well, including the Village of Gulfstream Park with the dining and the clubs and the bowling alley. And they're they're putting in now, from what I heard, was a movie theater uh, on the premises, which will be the next thing there. And also we mentioned a couple of weeks ago that uh, karaoke bar, which is still a ways down the road, probably three, four months at least. So. Uh, but we'll keep you posted on that. But great where, stuff. Where are they going to put the movie theater? It's going to be where Cadillac uh, Cadillac Jacks was. Oh, okay. Very nice. And uh, so they're already working on that, so that will be open sooner. But a great place for the whole family. You go there, you can make a lot of choices for entertainment and and then get together for lunch or dinner. Uh, if you're into horse racing, you know, several days a week they have that available. And the pork room is open uh, seven days a week, 24 hours on the weekend. Uh and uh, about uh, 18 hours during the week. Anyway, opens at 10 o'clock each day. At uh, the second, in the second, in the back of the first floor casino. Let's put it that way. Uh, 20 table room. Uh, great poker action with a lot of fun. Tournaments nightly at 7 p.m. And uh, this is Jewel of South Florida. Beautiful location and uh, beautiful facilities. Very clean. Very nice. Uh, We invite you to check it out. It's located at 901 South Federal Highway in Hallandale Beach. It's east of I-95, in between 95 and the beaches. Very easy to get to, corner of Hallandale Beach Boulevard and Federal Highway. Give them a call in the poker room if you want any information about the games they're running or the tournaments or buy-ins or anything they have to uh, share with you. They'll be happy to do so. It's 954-457-6336. That's 954-457-6336. Gulfstream Park. Tell them Big Dave and Joe sent you over. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. A lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. 
The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean. You can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. If you're a single man under the age of 35, you'd probably like to know what the ladies are looking for on an online dating site. A guy who had a few drinks and later got pulled over for buzz driving. See, that could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. And doesn't a guy who's back living with his parents but calls them my roommates just scream Mr. Right? Buzzed, busted, and broke. Because buzz driving is drunk driving. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the ad. Just following along uh, that event 46, the bounty tournament, we saw Will Fiella uh, one of survive. One of our favorites. One of our, one of our, one of our all-time favorites here on the show. But he wins a hand that he wouldn't have been too happy getting beat by, that's for sure. Oh, no. He'd have been going, what you effing beep, beep, beep. <laughs> <laughs> he was holding 9-10 offsuit going up against Queens. Uh, there were two jacks on the flop, and uh, Will got it all in and got a 7 on the, on the turn and an 8 on the river to give him the straight. So... Certainly, maybe didn't deserve that one, but anyway. And can you imagine? You want to know how difficult that was with two jacks? If the flop, had, if, if the turn had been an eight, he couldn't catch a queen because the queen would have given the, his opponent a full house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I've lost that way. Before. You know, I know so it's just you know perfect storm for him there. Good uh, for you, when Will. we were on the show last week, they were down to three players in event thirty-two, which was the ten thousand dollar Omaha High Low. Uh, Benny Glazer won that one. That was his second bracelet this summer. Uh, Skippy Lorgery was second. Mac Lance finished in third place. Our friend Matt, uh, good turnout there, 175,000. Uh, as Glazer wins over 400k in event 33, the summer solstice. Adrian Mateos, just 21 years old, uh, from Spain, picked up the win there, 409,000 for that one. There were 1,940 entries in that one, and uh, he picks up the win there. Uh, in event number 34, Deuce 7 Triple Draw, won by Andrei Zaychenko, uh, defeating Jameson Painter head-to-head down the stretch. Event 35 was the 6 Max No Limit Hold'em $5,000 buy-in event, won by Michael Gaithy. The event number 36 was won by Hani Awad. He wins uh, 213,394 uh, players in this one. Uh, he finished runner-up at the same event last year where there were uh, 80 more players. And so pretty good turn there. Fabrice Soulier finished in second place in that one. Then in event number 37, uh, the winner was Jacques Ju, defeating Jeffrey Duval head-to-head in uh, that one, winning 212000 That was 1500 pot limit. Omaha, 38 was uh, Rafael LeBron, the winner. Uh, good year for LeBron's. In event number 38, which was the $3,000 six-handed limit hold'em event, uh, Matt Matros also made a very deep run in this one. No brace to form this time, though, as he finishes in fifth. Joe McKeon also made the final table, finished in fourth. LeBron wins $169,000. Uh, Martin Kozlov wins event number 39, which was a six-handed no limit hold'em event, $10,000 buy-in. 
Kozlov uh, defeats a very good final table. Players like uh, Paul Volpe, uh, Nick Petrangelo, Jess, uh, Vanessa Selbst, Frank Casella, uh, Steve Gross were all uh, battling late in that one. Bonomo finished in third. Davidi Katai was second. Chris Ferguson, this was the tournament. Chris Ferguson finished in fourth, won 183,000. Petrangelo was fifth, 127,000. Kozlov takes home 655. And event number 40, get you up to date here, was a $1,500 horse event won by Christopher Vitch, 136000 for that one, and um, Siege Stockinger finished in second. So a lot of new players on the scene, uh, 236 players in uh, Deuce, in, uh, oh, I'm sorry, this was the 2500 uh, triple draw, so uh, my mistake, not the horse. Triple draw, low ball, 2500 pretty good turnout, 236 players. Yes, it is. So again, uh, those those uh, mixed games seem to uh, be making somewhat of a comeback. So uh, lots of stuff happening. Jason Mercier is the leader in the uh, WSOP Player of the Year points. Has about a 500 point lead over Martin Kozlov. Benny Glazer is third, and Ryan Laplante having a great series. Won just one event, the PLO, but has nine caches, and this was as of Monday, I believe. Uh, Ian Johns has also won tournament, two tournaments. He's in sixth. And Paul Volpe having a good tournament. He is in seventh place in the player of the year. But Jason has a masterful lead in this one. And uh, I guess should be able to hold on. What do you think? Well, listen, unless one of those other players that has two titles makes a huge deep run in the main event or wins another couple of ti- a couple of bracelets between now and the main event, uh, yeah, I, I don't see Jason losing this thing. Yeah. Especially uh, he's motivated with that yeah, 1.8 million that Vanessa has to give him <laughs> if he wins another bracelet. Well, that story still goes on. Uh, good news in Pennsylvania, the online poker amendment passed the House. We were talking about that revote coming up, and it did pass. So we'll be keeping an eye on uh, what's happening there. No good news really out of New York or California as far as I could see. Uh, but again, we'll keep an eye on it and see what happens for online poker. Uh, lots of moves. So the other story I just want to finish with was uh, Phil Galfond. Uh, very well-known player, and uh, people haven't seen him much around the Rio, you know, as far as bracelet events go. And he said that the cash games have been so great out there for him that he has just not played any events, basically. He said, you know, he can't get away from those tables. It's just it's foolish to go ahead and play in a tournament with so much variance and, and have it be so tough when he is just making a living at these tables. Yeah, well, listen, if, if you're going to make a couple of million at the tables without having to take that risk and, and the long, hard-traveled road of a tournament victory with no guarantee at the end, uh, you know, why not? Why not? I mean, you know, there are top pros out there that none of us know their names, only only these top players who play because none of them ever play in these tournaments. Right. They think it's a waste of time to play in these tournaments with the money that's available to them on a daily basis from, you know, these multi-rich people who think they can, you know, play poker and want to sit down with the top pros. Well, listen to these games he's playing. He's playing an eight-game big bet mix of games. Uh, but unlike traditional eight games, which involve a lot of limit and uh, uh, outside of two of the games are, are big bet games, uh, this particular one is all no-limit or pot-limit games. Uh, he said there is no cap, and the blinds are 600 I'm sorry, 300 and 600 with a 600 entry, or 500 and 1,000. 
depending on the game. He said the typical buy-in that these guys have is $100,000. So he's he's playing these games 12, 14, 15 hours a day. There you go. And, and, and he's not letting us know how much he's winning, so he's obviously making money at these tables. Right. So he says he will play the main event. He will probably play the $50,000 players, Poker Players Championship and maybe the 25K PLO. Uh, so then he'll decide. But he said, you know, it's just he doesn't think he can get away from these gains. Good for him. Yeah. Right. That's that's great. That's so there is good. plenty to do out there outside of all the bracelets and all the talk that we concentrate on for the most part. But uh, great stuff going on out there. Yep. I'm heading out in a couple of weeks, and, and I'm looking f- forward to it. And a few more weeks still left. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Joe is killing me in the fantasy contest. He, of course, has a, uh, three bracelets. And I'm trying uh, to numerous do what, final listen, tables. I'm trying to do what the Warriors couldn't do, win back-to-back years. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'll be trying in the last 20 events to come back from down. And down do what Cleveland did, yeah, what Cleveland exactly. did. There you go. Exactly. So that's going to do it for us tonight, tonight, today on the show. Uh, we hope you'll check it out. Again, we're kind of uh, stepped away from guests for a little bit. Very hard to line people up out there. Although that will be my big uh, chore while I'm out there is to try to tape a lot of interviews, bring them back, and play them on future shows. And also uh, do a show from out there and uh, have people on live as well. But uh, lining up things yeah, for the future will be a big goal of mine. We always seem to get a lot of people right after, you know, uh, the World Series has, has had. People have a chance to exhale after that. Yeah. <laughs> big Four at Seminole Hard Rock just around the corner uh, at the end of July kicks in with some of their earlier prelim events. And uh, the middle of August is going to be where all the big action is. And before that, a uh, big tournament over at the Isle Casino, their Florida State Poker Championship. We'll give you more on that next week. Don't forget Gulfstream Park celebrating the 4th of July weekend coming up. Give it a shot over there. Gio, thank you so much for all your work as usual. Uh, Joe, thank you for your input on the show. Just want to wish everybody a happy 4th of July. Now, Absolutely. Have a great time out there. Be safe. Uh, we know we lost an NFL uh, lineman for several games last year with a very, very bad accident. And uh, you need to be careful with those fireworks for sure. Uh, Take it easy out there. Don't drink too much. Don't eat too much. Have a good time. And we'll see you next week here on another edition of the show. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies. 